0: CHAPTER Ten OF OVER THE HILLS AND FAR AWAY A STORY OF NEW ZEALAND BY CHARLOTTE EVANS THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN RECORDING BY LEWIS FLETCHER Mrs. PRYOR'S BROTHER Life at Maungarewa glided on for some time very peacefully after this stormy interlude. Mr. Cunningham's anger blew over in a few days, as Lewis had prophesied that it would assisted probably by his son's departure to auckland for a month to settle some business matters not concerning the course of this story after his return lewis lived principally at the station which was situated like an outpost on the verge of his father's land so that opportunities for a renewal of the argument had mr cunningham wished it were few and far between lucy had by this time quite settled down into her new life and england was becoming the dream not new zealand only the coming and going of the english mail reminded her at times that there were still friends and still another country across the blue ocean of which the faint thunder of the surf could be heard on a still day in the peaceful valley where maungariwa lay the visitors who found their way to maungariwa were except the Lennoxes, almost entirely of the masculine order it is true that there were a few ladies scattered about among the different farms and stations and rather more collected at the nearest township ten miles or so away but they were almost all married and for the most part too much occupied with the care of children and domestic matters to have time to spend in paying visits especially country ones so that lucy soon found her visiting list numbered three or four masculine to one feminine name and the constant repetition of strange bearded faces became in time rather monotonous gentlemen were kind enough to drop in pretty frequently at maungarewa and sometimes to remain for two or three days it was a comfortable and well-ordered household rather inviting after many of the rough bachelor establishments of the district lucy's relations having with unusual forethought included the elements of housekeeping in her education to a more thorough extent than is usual i believe among the young ladies of the present day but none of her home friends ever found her sketches of new zealand scenery in watercolours less charmingly touched because she could personally superintend the preparation of beefsteak pies which were not uninviting when completed or caused to be placed upon her table a roast turkey with delicate accompaniments of mashed potatoes and sauces which her father at all events appreciated nor was her admiration of tennyson or mrs browning ever deadened by the fact that her apricot tarts melted in the mouths of all those who partook of them clinton meredith and many others were at all events at this period the gainers by the different branches of domestic economy which lucy had been brought up to cultivate she received many compliments which gave her pleasure more or less for surely there was never a clever housekeeper yet who did not like to feel that she was appreciated but her head was not over exalted by the praise bestowed upon her and one day she nearly made clinton jealous by telling him that she had met no one since she came out whom she considered half as agreeable as dr dacre i wonder where he is and what he is doing lucy added more to herself than to him it seems odd that we have never heard of him since we landed but perhaps he has already gone home clinton had heard of him and knew that he was at that time not very far from maungarewa but being jealous he did not choose to tell her so and so the subject dropped but somewhere about this time lucy heard that mr Pryor, another old shipmate was at last to be made happy his lady love landed in perfect safety at christchurch with her brother under whose protection she had consented to venture upon the long voyage Miss Whistonley became Mrs. Pryor within a week of her setting her foot once more upon terra firma, and, after a short honeymoon, the happy couple came up to settle upon the station of which Mr. Pryor was manager, about six miles from Maungarewa. They brought the brother with them, and Arthur Wistanley accompanied them when they went to Maungarewa to return Lucy's call. Mrs. Pryor, in spite of her majestic figure and the atmosphere of strong-mindedness which appeared to surround her, was no rider, so her husband drove her over, and Arthur with Stanley rode his brother in law's grey horse. They found Lucy and her father both at home. It was Lucy's first introduction to the bride as she had happened to be out on the day of Lucy's visit. Mrs. Pryor was very like her photographs, a handsome girl with a Roman nose and on a large scale altogether, but she was commonplace looking after all, which was just the thing that her brother was not. Both of them had dark hair and eyes, and there all resemblance between them began and ended. He was as utterly unlike his sister as could well be imagined. Arthur Whistonley was a man of about the medium height and size, but, instead of Mrs. Pryor's aquiline nose and wide mouth, he had delicate, regular features, which would have made the fortune of a girl's face. He would have been a handsome man, but for his eyes. They were so light in colour and so expressionless that they marred the effect of an otherwise attractive countenance. The most striking thing about him, however, was the utter want of interest or animation in everything he did or said. He looked like a man half asleep, without energy enough to rouse himself, and he never once brightened up the whole time he remained at Mongarewa. The same weary indifference characterized his manner as his face. It was not a sad face at all, but more like that of a person who has received some shock, under the influence of which the spirit remained stunned, and without sympathy in what took place around it. When I said that Mrs. Pryor brought her brother with her, I used the words advisedly. He was evidently entirely at her disposal and too lazy or too tired out to have any will at all of his own. Lucy found afterwards that the impression he had made upon her was of a person suffering from a violent and prolonged fit of sulkiness. Mr. Cunningham and Mr. Pryor plunged into an animated discussion of colonial politics, in which the governor's name repeatedly came uppermost. Lucy and Mrs. Pryor compared notes as to their respective voyages, while Mr. Wistanley sat quietly back in an easy chair listening to the conversation of the two ladies but without making the slightest effort to join in it himself only when they were going away and lucy patted the neck of the grey horse he asked her if she was fond of riding when she had replied in the affirmative and by way of politely prolonging the conversation for a moment or two had inquired whether he shared the same taste he said in his sleepy way i did once but i had a little too much of it when i was at home at one time mrs Pryor turned sharply round just as she finished shaking hands with mr cunningham why will you speak of that time arthur she said with asperity you know it is nothing to your credit arthur took the rebuke very calmly and did not seem to care about it in the least but he said no more lucy gathered however from the frown upon mrs pryor's face that he might at one time have been the black sheep of his family if so quiet a young gentleman could ever have found energy enough within him to be anything decided at all it appeared in course of time that she was partly right in her conjecture for afterwards as she learnt to know more of mrs pryor Little scraps of that lady's family history from time to time slipped out. Arthur has given us all such trouble, his sister said in her superb, majestic way. I assure you, Papa says he would rather have had ten daughters than such a son. Fancy, we sent him to read with a clergyman in Devonshire, and he ran away. We heard nothing of him for a long time, and we could not trace him. But at last he wrote to Papa, and then, only imagine, we found he had enlisted in a cavalry regiment. She paused here and waited for some show of horror and amazement on Lucy's part, which Lucy, as in duty bound, proceeded to give. Papa bought him out, Mrs. Pryor then continued, and went to him, and there he was in miserable little lodgings, sitting with his face hidden in his hands, and the table all covered with bits of letters, torn up. When Papa spoke to him, he started as if he had been shot, and then suddenly fainted away. He had a bad illness, brain fever, I believe, but got over it, and has never given us any trouble since. Lucy said she was glad to hear it, and wondered privately whether it was at that time that Mr. Arthur Wistonley had lost his interest in sublunary affairs and ceased to care enough about anything to have a will of his own left. She grew to like him very well as time went by, and she saw more of him, and for his part, he appeared to take quite a fancy to her. He always singled her out whenever they met and showed a greater respect for her opinion than for that of any one else. In fact, he paid her a good deal of attention in a quiet way. Mrs. Pryor observed this with delight hoping that arthur might really make up his mind to marry and settle down near her at last she felt perfectly satisfied with his choice for she too had acquired a genuine liking for lucy she was strongly confirmed in her idea by an accidental discovery which she made about this time arthur wistenly had one curious habit when he was thinking or listening to music or to a conversation taking place near him he had an odd absent fashion of scrawling over every scrap of paper he could lay hold of the letter l he would form it into a monogram in every variety of character and design, sometimes really graceful ones. Occasionally, but not often, he joined it with the initial of his own name, A, but he always crossed these out with heavy pencil strokes afterwards. Mrs. Pryor found one morning a half sheet of paper thus ornamented, and, remembering that Miss Cunningham's Christian name began with an L, she regarded it as positive proof of the manner in which that young lady occupied her brother's thoughts by way of ascertaining how far the admiration was mutual she with much concealed artfulness and great outward innocence of manner showed her discovery to lucy the next time they were alone together arthur is so absurdly absent she said but i suppose we must excuse him only imagine he was amusing himself by scribbling these monograms all the time that i was talking to him about getting the new carpets we want for this house in dunedin so stupid of him i don't believe he heard a word that i said she placed the half-sheet of paper she held in Lucy's fingers, and watched with secret anxiety for the expression of her face as she looked it over. "'It seems to be all designs of one letter,' Lucy remarked calmly. "'These are very pretty, and would look well embroidered on the corner of a handkerchief. Where have I seen an L like this before, I wonder?' "'Oh, I know. It was on the back of a watch.' She did not blush or look in the least conscious of any possible connection between Mr. Wistanley's fits of absence and herself. And mrs Pryor, to use her own words, could not flatter herself that Miss Cunningham so far evinced any reciprocity. End of chapter ten recording by Lewis Fletcher.